I don't know how many of you will know this, um, but I had uh, COVID-19 more than a year ago, about a, almost a year and a half ago, and um, I had a very mild case. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks after I had COVID-19 that I started discovering some other physical problems. And um, they were as a result of COVID-19. And so I, um, I started to understand that I was in a category of people that uh, had something called long COVID. And so I went to my primary care doctor and I sought the, the advice of a, a second opinion. And uh, they referred me to specialists, a neurologist and a pulmonologist. And um, I had to wear a heart monitor and see it you know, at least get the advice of a cardiologist and um, just a whole bunch of things over the past year and a half. And I, I think that I would classify this time um, as one of the bigger trials that I've had at least over the past 10 years, probably a, a little bit more than that. Um, it's not the biggest trial I've ever had, but it's one of the, the biggest. Um, and what I found I was doing at the same time, since I have a, a radio show um, every day where we look at a, a topic or a theme from the Bible, is I was doing a lot of study. So I was trying to make sure I could still be every day fulfilling my responsibilities of ministry here. And so one of those things I was really determined to be able to do to keep going was the, the radio show. And so I have to study a lot of scripture in order to do the radio show. And I do. Um, if you were to look at my work log, which I fill out every day, you'd see that there's at least a couple of hours, maybe two and a half, closer to three hours, some days of study for the show. And so you, um, you realize over the course of a time like that how important a lot of theological things are in just allowing you to keep going. And I really mean, I'm not just talking about just God comforting you in some way. I'm talking about like a lot of theological stuff where you learn about some real details of who God is and how he works and why he works in that way and what are the reasons that he works in that way. And I want to tell you that um, when someone is in the midst of a trial, whether it's you or someone else, it's not always just sort of a comforting verse that's helpful. There are a lot of times some really serious doctrinal issues that should come to bear on a circumstance. And as I looked at this particular theme on study and trial, I was looking for something, some sort of framework that could help me to understand why that was. And I think that I found it here in this passage. 
And um, as I just looked at verse by verse by verse, I thought, I don't want to leave that one out. I don't want to leave that one out. I don't want to leave that one out. And I, f- I found that there was this big section that I could pull out and um, that we could learn from on this topic. So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about going to the scriptures in times of trials and times of difficulty. Because if we know Christ as Savior, we understand that he wants us to lean on him in times of trouble. Now, I could spend a lot of time proving that to us, but I won't. What he wants, I can tell you, is for us to trust him fully and for us to follow his instructions and for us to live by his example. And the scriptures are where we find testimony of him. He reminded us of that in John 5.39, when he said to search the scriptures. And he said, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. As I thought about this, I wondered if there was any extended passage that could give us some direction on study and trial. The previous lessons, I think we've done five previous and learned to study, have been topical in that we have taken a theme and we have spent time in a variety of passages, um, most in the New Testament, some in the Old Testament, even in Psalm 119, and we've put together um, reasoning behind Uh, a thesis or a statement that we've made. But as I was looking at this, for personal reasons, I was looking for something extended. It could just give me a way to think about it. And so I found what is a summary verse, I think, on this topic for tonight, study and trial. And that's in Psalm 119. And this is our summary verse 143, which says, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. I thought, does that mean what I think it means? (laughs) Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, Yet thy commandments are my delights. I wanted to find some terms about this summary before we get started. What is trouble and anguish? That's the first thing I needed to know. What is trouble and anguish? Well, the word for trouble literally means narrow or tight. It means Distress. Due to an adversary or a foe, we find ourselves in a tight space. The word for anguish is actually somewhat similar. They're both often used in relationship to combat with enemies. Literal combat. 
with enemies. In fact, the first word is often translated, that first word for trouble is often translated enemies or adversaries. Just that word, enemies or adversaries. It's translated that way, in fact, just four verses earlier than this. When it says, my zeal hath consumed me because mine enemies, same word as trouble in our text, because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. I thought that was interesting just in and of itself, but distress of various kinds can take hold on us. That's what this passage said. But what does the word take hold mean? Well, that's commonly translated find or found. In fact, over 359 times it's translated that way. The vast majority of the times it appears in Scripture. This is the translation that we find in Genesis 6-8 which says, but Noah found, that's the same word for taken hold, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was taken hold by grace in the eyes of the Lord. Trouble and anguish seem to find us. Distress seems to find us. And it seems to take a hold of us. Have you noticed that? Exactly what it says is what our experience is. We know this to be the case. It's found all of us at some point. It's taken hold of all of us at some point. But it says here, God's commands are our delights. What does that mean? Well, his words are the object of our delight. That's what that means. The object of our delight or the object of our enjoyment. So no matter who, or in this case, many times, what distresses us, because we're going to see a little bit of both, who as far as enemies, and then what could be something that the enemies are doing distresses us, his words should be the object of our delight, our enjoyment. I think this is a pretty profound thought. I think the next verses that surround it are going to be a companion to this one, and I think they're going to actually explain a lot and tell us some of the key reasons why his word can be our delight in times of difficulty. Let's go to the very next verse. See if it gives us anything. Psalm 119, 144. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. Whatever trouble we face is temporary. Did you know that? For the believer in Christ. Whatever trouble, whatever anguish we face is temporary. Even if it's quite profound trouble that you're in today, it's temporary. 
But it says here that the righteous righteousness or the rightness and justice of his testimonies last forever. So when we seek his word, we're not doing something that I, I think the world sometimes thinks that we're doing. And that is trying to find a temporal fix. We're attempting to meet temporal trial with eternal solutions, aren't we? We're not attempting to meet a temporal trial with temporal words or temporal solutions. That word temporal just means that that doesn't last, that's temporary. And so when we look to the word of God in this temporary trial, we have a meeting of the eternal and the temporal. It's the everlasting meeting that which shall be shortly past. And if we can understand this, as the passage says, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. That means I shall be sustained. I shall prosper in life. If we could understand this, as the passage says, we could go on and we could be sustained in life, in this temporal life here on earth. But we may do something else at this time. In verse 145, which says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. You know, we often find, in fact, I found in this passage several times, a connection between calling out to God and our commitment to obeying his word. Calling out to God while at the same time having a commitment to obeying his word. Because if we call out, he is going to call back in a certain way. In perfect accord with the scripture. How do you know that something is right and godly for you to do? You know because of what God's word says. And you know that it comes from God if it is in harmony with his word. And that's how he calls back to us in accord with his word. If there are instructions in his response, they're going to be biblical instructions, right? And if we have no commitments to comply, then what is the reason for our calling out? The fact is our calling out is wasted if we have no commitment when we call out to responding in obedience. And so we do that. When we know the Savior, we're his. And you know, he hears and he faithfully answers. But he does something else. He expects obedience from his servants. 
The next verse is actually very similar in Psalm 119, 146. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. This one's maybe a little more desperate than the first one. You know, we're often going to be in need of rescue. This is the request. It's a request to be liberated or delivered. Or it's a request to be given victory. As I look through the dictionary, it was also, it could be, a salvation from moral troubles. Not just something life-threatening or something hard in life, but something that's morally troubling you, a sin problem. We should know something again. In these situations, when we're in need of rescue, when we're in need of liberation or victory, that instructions may come back. And we need to be ready to obey. What did it say? I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. You know, our daily habits may be changed in trouble. Look at the next verse. It's hard to understand because we don't use the word this way at the beginning, but I'll explain. I prevented the dawning of the morning, and I cried. I hoped in thy word. That just means I rise up before dawn. Prevented just means I did something before. So I rise up before dawn, and I cry for help. Do you notice this person in trouble and in anguish? Their lifestyle is being changed because of it. They're rising up before dawn to cry for help. And it says, I'm doing this because I have hope in your word. This is where we find the concept that he is there in his word. How would a man know that God is there and that God is nearby without the scripture? It's where we find that he cares. It's where we find that he can help. It's where we find that he answers. It's where we find that he loves us and that he's faithful. And so we make it a priority to do something. We get up early in the morning and and cry unto him and have hope in what he tells us, what he's written to tell us. Other habits can change in difficulty. This almost seems like it's progressive in that uh, things may be getting worse. He's not just getting up before the dawn, but it says in verse 148, mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Same concepts. It means we're awake through the watches of the night, through the earliest of the morning hours, and hour by hour through the night we're awake. So it seems to have progressed in that uh, it's not just getting up before dawn, but even in the watches of the night to do something specific, and that is to meditate in thy word.
This may happen to you at times where you're awake through the watches of the night. Trials seem to do this to us. And these times when we're awake should be times to meditate on his promises. You know, throughout various stages of life, there's going to be some times of sleeplessness. Perhaps you've had concern for a big decision that you're making, an important decision. It's going to change your life, and you've had sleeplessness. Or you've had concern for a family member that's kept you up at night, or your own health, or the health of your children. How many of us that our parents have been up through the night concerned for our children? Whatever it is, these interruptions of sleep should be invitations to study. Interruptions are invitations at this time. That's what it says. I've stayed awake through the watches of the night that I might meditate in thy word. Verse 149. Hear my voice. According to thy loving kindness, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. This is a call really for God to work or God to do or God to act according to his character. And the person asking has to have a certain amount of confidence in his character in order to ask in this way. He's going to respond based on what he has already said, based on his judgments, things that he has provided for us, things that are written down so that we can see how he will respond and know who he is to respond. And he can do something here. It says revive or quicken us. The word quicken here I thought was interesting could even mean to restore us to health. I'll look to you, Lord, and you'll restore me to health. All that we know of him and all that we know about his ability to do things for us is found in his word. The wicked, on the other hand, they're addressed in the next verse. I found this interesting as well. Psalm 119, 150. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. That means they're getting near to, to him. They are far from thy law. The verse is phrased this way in the ESV. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. When we're in trouble with enemies or with persecutors, We know that they behave this way for a reason. They behave this way because they're far from him. They're not only far from him, they're far because they're far from him. They're far from all the things that he instructs and that he advises and that he commands. And so while we have a life, if we're disciples of Christ, that's continually shaped by the word of God, their life suffers without its influence. 
And they're in a position where they do these things to other people because they respect not God nor his word. I think another key insight comes in verse 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. So I want to stop and and tell you what I mean by a key insight here. We saw something at the beginning that I spent a bit of time on about uh, his word being eternal, and that which is temporal meeting the eternal. And that's why there's this effectiveness. I think this is a key one, too. The fact that truth is meeting whatever happens to be in your mind. Look, uh, during this time of trial for me, you tend to think a lot of things that aren't true. I don't know if you've ever had a, uh, a serious or an ongoing or a lengthy health difficulty. But you begin to wonder things and you begin to imagine things about yourself and about what that thing that's going to befall you may mean for other people in your life. And you know, I have to tell you, some of those things are just simply not true. And yet they're there. They're not fake. They're real. You think them and you consider them. So you need to go to the truth. You've got to see the truth. Whatever we're facing, here's the great thing that it says from the beginning. We know that he is near. And all that he says and all that he commands is true. I can tell you this. The world offers nothing comparable. It just offers nothing comparable. You can go to someone to help with whatever temporary trial you're facing, and they can give you a physical mechanism that's also temporary, by the way, to help you with that trial that you're facing. And it's nothing like grasping with your mind and heart something eternal and something that is true and something that will last you through this life and into your life after your death. That is not comparable to whatever fix, as thankful as we may be, whatever temporary fix there is to the temporary trial that we have. That is nothing comparable to what God provides. The world is a a lonely place to be. This said to us, thou art near, O Lord. The world rarely delivers, by the way, reliable information. In fact, usually the opposite. If you've gone to a doctor and you've needed an answer for something, but it's a difficult problem, sometimes what you find is the person you go to to help you with the temporary problem doesn't have an answer at all. And it's an I don't know. 
or they can give you the wrong answer. God doesn't give wrong answers. I know we don't always want to hear the truth when we're facing a hard thing. Because sometimes when we're facing a hard thing, the truth is we're going to have to go through it. Isn't that so many times the answer? Lord, would you take this thing away? Go through it. That's the answer. That's the truth. You've got to go through it. Well, there's something else about the nature of Scripture. I want to go on to the next verse. Verse 152 of Psalm 119. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. If you're here tonight, it's likely that you've known for a while that God's word are a foundation for us, right? He said, look, I've known a long time, dating back a long time, that your word is a a foundation, an eternal foundation. It's a foundation that stood the test of, of time, thousands of years before our time, And it'll stand for all of eternity after God's word, which doesn't go away. What it says, what it tells people to do, what it assures people of, what it assures us of, has been tested. Do you know that? If you've ever talked to someone and you've said, I'm in the midst of this and I think I'm learning this, and they'll say, yeah. That's something I had to learn when I went through this time back here. And I was taken through this difficulty. You'll find that what God told them was tested in their lives. It's been called upon, the word of God, by countless saints. And despite what you think about your trial now, I can tell you that it's been called upon by countless saints who have been in a far more desperate trial than you are in right now. There's passages of scripture that reveal to us what men of God and women of God have gone through through the course of history and whatever trial they were facing. Our trial seems insignificant by comparison to it so often. And yet, it has been their solid place to stand, their foundation, throughout those times of desperate trial. And the true and the eternal nature of it has been comforting and has been reassuring. And the testimonies that God has given has been useful in those times of trial. Because it comes directly from the one true God. One who considers us. The next verse. Consider mine affliction. And deliver me. For I do not forget thy law. 
This is another direct reference to affliction and the need for deliverance. I think we've seen the, the, the stream of it throughout this section of Psalm 119. But this is direct. And it's again connected to a pre-existing commitment to Scripture. Did you notice that? For I do not forget thy law. We're to remember what the word of God says. One of the things that's obviously remembered is his faithfulness. That's why we call and ask him to consider our affliction and consider delivering us from whatever this affliction may be. It's it's his word that tells us who he is and therefore how we may respond to this. You know, there's no better way to remember scripture than to go back to it. I remember people telling me before, uh, when I was a kid at least, now what'll happen is when you're going through these things in life, I'm not saying this is necessarily wrong, but I've just noticed it's got a flaw. When you're going through life, if you learn these scriptures as a kid or as a teenager, then when you get in a tough spot, the scripture will come right back to your mind and you'll remember all the things God said. Well, people must have better memories than I do because I don't. I don't always remember what the scripture says. I mean, I don't know who's having all these scriptures just spring into mind every day of the week. I can tell you I study scripture hours and hours every week and stuff still doesn't spring to my mind. So I hope you have a better memory. But what I noticed is I, I understood what their, their theory, and the, the theory says that you'll at least know where this thing is located, you'll know some of the words in it, and then you can search for it, and you can find what it is, and then you'll be reminded. And folks, that's what you're going to have to do. I mean, you're not just, it's not just going to spring to your mind, and you're going to remember it just at the, just exactly the right moment. God's going to have to guide you to it. You're going to have to have some systematic approach to going back and and going through the things that God has taught you previously. I do not forget thy law. Don't forget it in times of affliction, times of trouble, times of anguish. Verse 154 of Psalm 119. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. That's either the second or the third time that that's been used. I know it's used several times in this entire section, but the idea of being quickened according to thy word. The Bible makes promises about who God is and how he acts on behalf of his people. And we must read it to remind us that this is the case. And in in this case, he says, plead my cause and deliver me. We know our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, ever pleads our case before God. But also he is a, a, a God and we have a Savior who's a deliverer. 
And this is the same idea of being quickened. It's, it's being sustained in life and being provided with the potential for success in life. And do that according to your word, according to what your word says, according to what your word promises, and according to what I've learned from what your word says. This is not something the lost can do. Ask God to plead their cause and ask God to deliver them. That's what it says next. It's a troubling phrase from the beginning of the verse. Salvation is far from the wicked. For they seek not thy statutes. I remember something that... um, that Dr. Olala said, and I'm just saying it off the top of my head, so I don't know if I'm saying it exactly right, but he talks about how a, uh, an atheist doesn't seek God any more than a, a robber seeks a policeman. The Bible tells us so often that, that uh, there is none that seeketh after God, no, not one. And yet it's God who works in a person's life to put them in a position where they will seek after him, put them in a frame of mind and point them in a direction where they will seek after him. But it should be troubling for us to be reminded that salvation is far from the wicked. They are not in a position where they can say what the previous verse said. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. Because it says they're far from his statutes. They don't even seek after his statutes. The word of God is a mystery to the wicked. They neither know it nor care to know it. And they face trials in a different way than we face them. They face them on their own. And whatever resources... They can find whatever resources they can muster on their own. They will. But they won't be like the resources that we have in God's word. And this is why deliverance is far from them. Because they have neither the information nor the enlightenment of God's word. And that's one of the reasons we're here. And we have this mission to tell them and to point them to his statutes where they don't want to look. And God, through his Holy Spirit, uses us and uh, gives us victory in doing that so often. Verse 156 of Psalm 119. Great are thy tender mercies. That's nice to hear in times of trouble and anguish. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. This is good for those wicked ones who are far from God's word and who don't even want to seek after God's word. They need to understand the tender mercies of our Lord in whatever trial they're facing. And they need to, they can be revived by him through this text that he has given us in Scripture. 
where the New Testament says to us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this one says, great are thy tender mercies. Quicken me according to thy judgments in conjunction with, as a result of what you said, what you wrote. Verse 157. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies. Yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. I don't move away from, I don't lose track of, I don't take a step to the left or to the right of what your word says. In the face of many a desperate trial, sometimes when a person has actual enemies on every hand, his testimonies, what God says, should be ever before us. Don't decline from his testimonies in these times when it seems you're surrounded by, if not enemies, whatever trials you're surrounded by. There's a few things that I, uh, I want to just reiterate for a minute. It's just five things that I found in here. This was a, a real personal study for me. I hope it helped you or I hope it gave you something. This is a, a framework that, that is helping me to think in a certain way. And I pulled out five things that I want to try to remember. The first one that I've reiterated several times, his word is eternal. His word is eternal. Our trials are temporary. Whatever we're facing is temporary. For the believer in Christ, whatever difficulty we're in is temporary. We've got to confront the temporary with the eternal. Calling out to him, number two, should be accompanied by his word, his response. Things as he's written down for us. Call out to God, do that. Absolutely do that. Do it in the night watches. Do it in the morning before the sun rises. Whenever your habits have been changed to because of the trial, do it, but make it be accompanied by his word. That's what we saw. I've got up in the watches of the night to meditate on the scripture. The third thing, the Bible is a proven foundation on which we can stand. Just about every verse in Psalm 119 takes you back to his word, his testimony, his statutes, his law, what he has written, what he has said, the knowledge of him, all of that. It's a proven foundation. Don't forget that. Whatever you're facing now, go to the word. People throughout the history of Christianity, people you know, people I know have gone to the word and it's provided them with some solid place to stand. Scripture is truth. That's number four. Scripture is truth. We should know it when we're unsure or when we find only misinformation in the world. We've got something true here. Number five, his book reveals his character. And he is the person that we need in times of trial. 
I mean, this is the way we're, we're connected with God. We need him in trial. But that's why he says, now I've given you something to connect with that's really physical, that's just black ink on white paper for you to look at, for you to study, for you to understand, for you to go back to, for you to read, for you to be clear on, for you to take diligent time and effort studying in. And you need me, yes. That's why I provided you my word. That verse that I read right from the beginning, search the scriptures, Jesus said, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Study and trial. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. There's some passages in here. There's some verses. There's some sentences in here that I don't think we have spent very much time uh, looking at, maybe in detail. And so thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that tonight. Help us to know that whatever we're facing today or tomorrow or in future days, somebody else has no doubt already faced something similar to that, and you've used your word in their lives to make yourself real to them when um, maybe it was the middle of the night or another desperate time. And... It's not even always comfort that we're looking for, although we are looking for that. Sometimes it's just to know something solid, theological about who you are and about how you're going to uphold us and how you're going to give us the tools to just get through today. And I pray that as we have that opportunity, um, we would take it, not ignore it, but take that opportunity study, and come to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen.